Hi, I'm Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. I'm also the podcast host of Invest in Her and an award-winning producer, author, and TEDx speaker. Our show, Invest in Her, features phenomenal female founders and funders. As you know, women receive less than 2% of venture capital funding. Our series is about accelerating the funding of women by connecting them to funding resources. Let's meet today's guest. Today's guest is Silvana Sinha. She comes to us from Bangladesh, where she is the CEO of Prava, the fastest growing consumer health brand in Bangladesh. Hi, welcome to the show, Silvana. Nice to see you. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So you're the fastest growing consumer healthcare brand in Bangladesh. I want to talk about your background and then how you got into starting this amazing company just recently in 2018, right? Well, I've been working on it for eight years, but we started serving patients. Um, we started serving patients in 2018. That's right. Yeah. And I love that you're focused on these emerging markets that really need better health care. So uh, that's really the topic of what we're talking about today is how to improve that and that that's your goal and your journey. Um, but first, you know, everybody likes to learn a little bit about the guest. Uh, you were just sharing with me, surprisingly, that and you said even some of your best friends don't know that you were actually born in Missouri. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And I haven't really been back. I think I've been back once since I was born there. We left by the time I was around six months old. So I don't have strong ties there, but I was born there. Yeah, no, but interesting trivia. <laughs> uh, so you're coming to us from Bangladesh today, uh, but I know that you um, studied here in the U.S. In fact, you have such an incredible lineup of credentials. I see here you went to Columbia Law School, uh, Harvard, uh, Harvard's Kennedy School, and Wellesley College, all amazing institutions, of course. And uh, you were just sharing with me before we started the show that uh, your um, grandfather and your dad actually come from Bangladesh. Uh, so we're going to talk about, you know, what was your journey to coming here to the U.S.? And let's start with the entrepreneurship of your grandfather, because let's say entrepreneurship, I always think is in the DNA. So uh, tell me about your granddad and your dad. Yes, no, um, it's, a, it's a really amazing story. And I wish my grandfather was still alive so I could share with him and learn from him um, about his experience building his company. So um, in 1954, at that time in, um, and at that time it was East Pakistan. It was right after the British left India and had divided, the country had been divided into Pakistan and India. And so um, in East Pakistan at that time, there were, there I think 80% of drugs in the market were counterfeit. So my grandfather, who was not a scientist or pharmacist, um, had this idea that we should build a brand that's based in the provision of quality drugs. And it's, it's kind of legendary in our family that he always used to say, you know, we have to stay committed to quality. And, um, you know, the minute that we um, lose that commitment, you know, we will lose everything. So, you know, we really have to, we can never cheat our patients, we can never cheat the consumers of the quality of the drugs. And so he started the company in a room probably smaller than even the size of the room that I'm in right now um, and um, built it from scratch. And um, my father was one of six siblings and was um, sort of the nerd of the family and, and very good at school and um, 
was really smart and got a scholarship in 1964. He was one of two people from East Pakistan who got a scholarship to it travel to the like United the States. apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the ambition of that journey of my father, I, I don't even think I can compare to it really. I mean, he learned science in Bangla and he wound up in North Dakota to get his master's in um, pharmaceutical chemistry and, and I think organic chemistry and then went on to get his PhD in pharmaceutical chemistry in England, right? And like, I mean, having to, you know, really learn science again and in a different language. Um, and obviously in a completely different country where he landed up and there was no internet to tell him how to get to his dorm and, you know, all of those little things that we now take for granted. Um, so impressive. And um, so he, he did get his PhD and he ended up going to the University of Georgia um, for his PhD and ended up not coming back to Bangladesh to help his father run the business. Um, um, had an arranged marriage to my mother in 1974. And then a few years later, I was born um, the first of three. My, I have a younger brother and sister as well. And, um, you know, so my parents really created an amazing life for my brother and sister and I and gave us access to the best education and opportunities that um, hard work and um, talent and money could afford us. And um, so I feel very, I was very, very lucky um, in my life uh, to have all of that and to have the um, model of, you know, of entrepreneurship from my grandfather. I mean, he worked until the day before he died. And even from my father, like just this really tremendous work ethic um, that I think I still try to carry with me um, today. And I'm, although I never thought I would be an entrepreneur, I will say that I, I, um, I always thought of myself as being very risk averse and, um, and thought that it was an amazing thing that other people did. Um, but, um, and so I actually spent several years, I, I worked for 10 years after grad school um, before I started my company, I practiced law, um, worked in US foreign policy, worked in Afghanistan for the World Bank, um, spent some time in management consulting as well. I had some really amazing experiences um, and was sort of chasing impact in my life and my work and wanting to do something that was more creative. When um, we, I was visiting Bangladesh for a family wedding and my mom was actually hospitalized for a basic appendectomy. And um, this was just a really eye-opening experience. My, I had always worked in emerging and frontier markets and I knew, and I had seen firsthand the tremendous progress the Bangladeshi economy had seen really in my lifetime, one of the fastest growing economies in the world. And yet, despite that, I learned from this experience of my mom that no amount of money could afford you access to high quality healthcare. Right. And so as a result, every day you have thousands of Bangladeshis and every year billions of dollars that leave the country to access better healthcare abroad. And um, I sort of became obsessed with that problem. I was not a healthcare person um, at all, but I just thought that that was a problem that should not exist and started to think about how I might be able to be part of solving it. You know, I also saw a very interesting uh, fact that you had, uh, before you started all this, you also had worked with, um, at the time, Senator Barack Obama and, uh, you know, had uh, a lot to do with, I think, foreign affairs and things like that, that, you know, I imagine that work drew this conclusion of, you know, seeing this lack of health care in um, these, um, you know, communities outside the U.S. 
uh, mm-hmm. that you're focused on. And I think it's a beautiful thing that you've gone back to your roots to solve this problem in Bangladesh uh, and, and that you're the fastest growing healthcare brand there, but that you're really focused on all emerging markets, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. I mean, and, and I, I have to say, I also think it's, it's important and relevant that I grew up in the U.S. and that I have been very lucky to have access to arguably some of the best healthcare in the world. And as a result, I'm aware that healthcare is broken everywhere, you right. know, and um, and that, you know, I mean, the United States, I think, spends 10 times per capita on healthcare as Cuba for the same level of life expectancy. Right. And so, um, you know, there's there's lessons that can be learned. And I think we've all lived through this huge public global public health crisis, um, you know, the biggest of any of our lifetimes recently. And we've seen that rich and poor countries alike struggled to provide basic services to their populations, um, you know, during this time. And so um, I, I often like to say to my team, because a lot of the people in my team aren't as lucky as me and haven't had access to quote unquote, the best healthcare in the world. Um, and they have a sense that they're, you know, especially, um, you know, underprivileged living in Bangladesh in terms of the kind of access that they have to healthcare here. And to some extent that's true, but I, I, I try to make the point that, you know, there are terrible healthcare experiences and healthcare systems are failing patients all over the world. And there are lessons we can take from that mm-hmm. um, and mistakes we can avoid um, in our market as we look to build a healthcare system from scratch. Yeah, you know, what you're doing is amazing. Uh, The healthcare system, as much as people complain about it here, is uh, probably the best in the world. And all these emerging markets are so underserved. So you have really hit something really important here. And I read that, you know, you've already served over 400,000 patients. Like there is such a demand and that's just since 2018. Uh, I understand uh, during the pandemic, you quadrupled the number of people using your services and that it's growing at such a rapid pace. Tell me first about the funding. How did you get the funding? Because all my listeners are always wondering how do women get these project ideas that they have funded? How did you first get your funding? And then let's talk about what the future looks like. Yeah, so um, I self-funded it in the very early days, um, the very beginning, um, but I quickly realized I couldn't really do that for long. and um, the answer that is true, that was true then, that is still is still the answer that's true now, which is that I will meet pretty much anyone who will talk to me and um, share with them, you know, my vision and um, my plan. And um, I, you know, didn't know that the people that I was meeting in those early days were necessarily going to be investors, but if they were someone who took an interest in what I was doing and that I might be able to learn something from, they might be an investor in healthcare, private equity, or, you know, they might be an entrepreneur themselves, um, I would meet them. And, you know, sometimes they might end up being an investor. Sometimes they might end up being a team member. Um, You know, I never knew what would come from those early days. Um, So you started uh, with um, angel investors. Correct. And it's not just that we started with angel investors. To date, we've raised almost $13 million from only angel investors. Wow, that's that's amazing. Good. Bravo to you. 
You know, I, everybody well, like, you. rushes over how much they've raised, but you have to understand the listeners that want to raise this kind of money are so inspired by you. I mean, that is no easy feat, Silvana. $13 million. How much more do you need to raise at this point? Well, so I will say one thing, $13 million for the Bangladesh market, it's like raising $100 million for America, I believe, because people don't know a lot of people don't even know where Bangladesh is on a map, even though it's the eighth most populous country in the world with 170 million people in it. And so I think it is that much harder. We're currently in the market for a $15 million round. Um, so we were at 8 million in revenues last year. If we can raise 15 million, we can get to more than 200 million in revenues in the next five years. So I can be quite capital efficient in this market. Um, so it is harder to raise the money, but I can do a lot more with every dollar. Right. And we know that, you know, uh, women get less than 2% of the venture capital funding. This is why I like to make a point of this to our listeners is this is why it's so critical that that changes. And, you know, that's what She Angel Investors is all about, is we are on a mission to get more women to invest in women and become angel investors and for more venture capital firms to get behind women, because what you're doing is incredibly important to the planet. And there's so many women like yourself out there with these groundbreaking ideas, filling needs that need to be met, that need funding. And so I'm so happy to bring their attention to uh, to you and to, um, to uh, Prava Health, uh, which is so important to the emerging markets, healthcare market. You know, what you're doing there in Bangladesh, I take it that you want to, um, you know, enter into other emerging market uh, countries, correct? We do believe the model is scalable across emerging markets where 85% of the world lives. Um, our commitment to quality care is really important. Um, across low and middle income countries, more people are dying due to lack of access to quality health care than lack of access alone. And so we build the infrastructure and then we layer it with technology. And that's really important for a couple of reasons. One, because the infrastructure is often lacking in these markets. Um, but two, the economics of the business is more compelling when we own the supply chain behind the services that we offer. So we're not just building Uber of models where the margins are single digits, right? We're building models where, you know, we offer an end-to-end -end solution for all of your outpatient healthcare needs from that consultation to the pharmaceutical products that you need, to the labs that you need, to the, you know, x-rays. And so that also allows us to have a better business, I think, because, um, there are a lot of internal synergies there and our gross margins are actually more than 60%. So what does the model look like? Uh, is this uh, places of business that they can come to register for your services? Yep. Do they become a member or how does it work? So it's physical. I like to call it the click and brick model. So that's technology plus infrastructure. So there's physical clinics, actual physical. We have a 10 story building, which is our flagship center that you can walk into and you can see a doctor, you can draw blood, you can buy drugs, you can do an x-ray or other scans. Um, but we also have an app. We brought Bangladesh's first patient app, which we launched in our first year in 2018. Um, initially, it was really focused on medical records and appointment bookings, which for our market in and of themselves, it was quite novel, actually. This is a market where, like many emerging markets, patients are literally carrying their medical records around in bags. Um, 
But I would say in contrast to the United States, at least patients own their records. And um, that is actually an advantage that they have. So when they bring us that bag, we'll scan and store the records for them to promote a continuity of care, both for the patient and for the provider. Um, and then we've also launched a number of other digital products, such as telemedicine, e-pharmacy, and remote care management. And so it's really an end-to-end -end solution for all of your outpatient healthcare needs, whether those needs are in clinic or remote. Okay, so you have an app, is it called Prava Health? Yes. Yeah, so people can download the Prava Health app if they're in Bangladesh and they can keep their records, they can access their records there, they can make an appointment through that. Yes, and, and then they can also book telemedicine visits and um, they can order drugs to be delivered to their home. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, what's the future? So you have 400,000, you're looking to garner how many in a country that size? So, you know, we, we believe like we'd love to close this round of funding, you know, like all entrepreneurs, I'm eager to close tomorrow if someone wants to give me the $15 million. Um, if we can close, you know, in the next quarter, we believe we can serve a million patients within the next two years time and 6 million within the next five years time. And we can probably scale even more quickly than that. But I think that's a conservative projection for what we can do. Um, and that would really allow us to dominate about 4% of the market. 4% is millions of people. I mean, a small percentage. And, you know, I always like to say uh, anything we talk about um, is, you know, everything is, uh, uh, every investment is, uh, you know, a risk. And so uh, we're not advocating it. We're just saying, you know, there are opportunities out there to invest in women's businesses that do have an upside potential. There is no guarantee, but uh, we just want to make people aware that there is a need for this in these emerging markets. And this is, um, you know, a healthcare company started and um, created and built by uh, this amazing woman, Silvana Sinha. And uh, we're so happy to have you telling us about it today. You know, being in the U.S., sometimes we don't even realize, you know, what the healthcare market is like outside of our own area and to realize that 85% of the world doesn't have the healthcare we have, but should, uh, it certainly seems like an amazing solution. And uh, I just really applaud the work that you're doing. And thanks for bringing it to the show today for our listeners to know about and tell uh, other people that they know about, um, whether it's a venture capital fund or angel investors. Um, how can people reach you? Are you all on social media as well as them downloading the Prava app? Absolutely. Great question. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much. I think we're not on TikTok yet, but everywhere else you can pretty much find us. Um, so, and, you know, I, you know, personally, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive to, um, to any inquiries that I get. I love to support other female founders as well in any way that I can. I think we all have to support each other in the way that, that you're doing now um, to help to raise the profile of the work that female founders are doing. Thank you. Well, it's Silvana Sinha. The name of the company is Prava Health. That's P-R-A-A-V-A -A -A for those that are just listening and not watching. Um, and you can find her on social media. You can also, of course, find me, Catherine Gray, at Invest in Her uh, on Instagram and our company, She Angel Investors, on Facebook, Instagram, and the others. Uh, Silvana and I are both on LinkedIn. 
Uh, so we hope you'll contact us there to continue the conversation, to lift women up. I always say, uh, remember to invest in her. And uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Thank you so much, Silvana, for being such an amazing guest. And uh, we are cheering you on. Thank you so much. If I could just make one last point, I, I just I really think it's important to emphasize the need for more women's leadership in healthcare in particular. Um, 80% of healthcare decisions for households are made by women. 65% of help workers are women, and yet fewer than 15% of healthcare leaders are women. And so, you know, I think um, I really would encourage others who are thinking of, of launching um, and leading healthcare organizations to do so, because we need women's voices at the table to build solutions um, for the half of the population, you know, that's driving so much of decision making in the sector. Thank you. I love ending on that point. And on that point, I'm just going to add that, thank goodness, there's more and more female founded venture capital funds that are very focused on health care. So we've got to connect you to them. Well, thanks so much again, Sylvan. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Make it a great week. Remember, if you're looking to launch a business or grow your business, check out our e-course, Six Ways to Fund Your Business, available at sheangelinvestors.com.